evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast from the studios of Community Radio 3 ECR in Melbourne for the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. If, if at some time during the program you get sick, call a doctor. Wonder what Anarchist is all about? An Anarchist Society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Why those two concepts? Very simple. Very simple. An anarchist society is a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You look at what gives rulers authority. Inequalities in power and wealth is what allows them to manipulate the system, create the institutional structures to put their interests before the interests of the many. A very simple, very simple concept. Now, if you can come up with a better idea in terms of how to create a society without rulers, let me know and I'm all ears. Now, if during the course of the program, as I said before, you get sick, Turn the radio station, it must be what you're hearing. Sometimes the truth can be a little bit sickening, especially if we live in God's own land, the land of milk and honey. Especially when the milk and honey tap have been turned off or turned down. Now, I want to look at a few things today, and obviously you want to look at a few things today, but I'd like to... Remind all the regular listeners of the Anarchist World this week in Melbourne that next week is the 3CR Radio Fund and I've been instructed to raise $15,000 to kick community radio station 3CR on air. And so go to the 3CR website, have a look, you can donate, get involved. But the good thing is, all you listeners outside Melbourne, you are so lucky, because I'm doing a second program, will be broadcast across Australia, where you won't have to deal with this little pathetic attempt to raise a little bit of money, enough for a bottle of good champagne, $15,000, to keep one of Australia's most dynamic community radio stations broadcasting for another year. So you get a normal program. The people in Melbourne, well... They'll be asked to cough up and the people in regional Victoria who uh, can uh, access the local radio station will also be asked to cough up. But you can relax. If you're, interst- if you're living in any other state apart from Victoria, you can relax. 
But if you want to donate, you're always welcome to. Now, I'd like to start off with the a little bit of pressure, slight bit of pressure that has been placed on the corporate world. Not huge amounts, just a little bit of a slap here and there. The first one, which gained, you know, huge news, was the fact that CBA, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, was fined $700 million for... Well, it, they actually weren't fined. They came to an agreement with the prosecuting authority. I think it's the Australian Securities and Insurance Commission. They came to an agreement that if they forked over $700 million to the Australian taxpayer, nobody would be prosecuted. And I thought, what a great deal. Maybe we could use it for the court system in this country. We have a, we have a, we have a variation of it now that if you got the money to employ the best legal defence possible, as we've seen in a number of cases year after year, that uh, sometimes justice is never done. But isn't this great? We could actually go to the court and say, Your Honour, yes, I've been charged with murder. Look, I'll give compensation of $700 million. You drop the charges and we'll all walk away and I'll go and have a cafe latte. It's the same principle. What's $700 million to the CBA? 7% of their net profit last year. 7%. They'll make that in 25 days. 25 days is the equivalent of somebody earning $80,000 being fined $400. No prosecution, case closed, money laundering, the criminal syndicates, potential terrorist organisations, money laundering, 25 years jail sentence. They get a $700 million fine. And you know what? They claim... They won't rake it back from their customers, but I'm sure all those shareholders who are waiting for those, you know, fully frank dividends at the end of the year will expect the, gov- the customers to be gouged. A cent here, a cent there, a cent here for that $700 million. So what people call some type of victory is no victory at all. But, but, it seems a little bit more interesting We've now had charges laid against the ANZ, the Australian New Zealand Bank, Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank, and the Citigroup for alleged, and the key word is alleged, criminal cartel behaviour. I like this. Criminal cartel behaviour. Not just at the institution, but at individuals within those institutions. And the case is complex, but it's interesting, the fact that people in positions of authority in these unaccountable corporations are slightly beginning to understand that they may be criminally responsible for the decisions they make and the laws of the land may apply to them. And why do we find ourselves in this situation? Because of people like you and me, who for decades have been claiming the system is corrupt, who for decades have been pointing our finger at this country's financial institutions, who for decades have been marginalised and pushed around, you know, and ignored and arrested and jailed for raising these very issues. It's that tsunami which we've created over the decades which is now putting a little bit of pressure on this country's corporate world. And why? 
because the government of the day found itself in a situation which was so untenable, it had to give two, one or two teeth to its regulatory authorities, who in the past just had, you know, the, the banks ran riot. Financial corporations like AMP ran riot as far as their behaviour is concerned. Their uh, ignorance of the law. And you wonder. So, tick. Tick for activism. Pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back. All those of you who have been out in the streets week after week, month after month, year after year. This is my 50th year as an activist and I know how ungrateful people are. Police, security, a few dozen people holding up a few posters as some type of threat to public order as we saw at the little demonstration by the Wednesday Action Group in Melbourne outside the Melbourne offices of the Institute of Private Affairs. I don't want to use the word public with them. It's all about private affairs for them. I'm not talking about their uh, bedroom activities here, but their financial activities. You know, the intellectual, the intellectual heartland of the corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation, you know, um, privatisation brigade. Intellectual heartland. Last week, City of Melbourne, I was one of them. Eight protesters, seven of Victoria's finest. Unbelievable scenes, unbelievable scenes. But we'll be there again and again and again and again and again. Because what you understand, what we understand is that it's consistent community political pressure which changes things. If you sit on your hands and do nothing, no matter how difficult the situation is, that situation will continue ad nauseum. Reform comes from people like you and me and our friends and our relatives and our enemies getting together to ensure that everybody in this country does have and I'm going to use that word everybody uses, a fair go. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's right, 3cr.org.au. If you wish to write to me, yes, I hunger for the occasional nice letter. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can leave pleasant messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You like that? 0439 395 489. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to my personal Facebook page, no, you won't find out the colour of my underpants and what I ate yesterday. But you'll uh, see many of the activities I'm involved in. Now, those of you, again, who live in Melbourne, who come to those Wednesday night minners, dinners at the Conjo Ethiopian restaurant at 20 Smith Street in Collingwood, well, they have been cancelled. There are major issues regarding the viability of the uh, restaurant and uh, it looks like it's closed down. 
or it's about to close down. So we will hold those dinners in abeyance. So if you turn up at 6 o'clock to, on Wednesday, the uh, 6th of June, you'll be turned away. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Our personal Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, the number for the page. The public, sorry, Toscano for the public. I'd like to thank all those people who were involved in the Marvo celebrations, which were hosted by the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation in Melbourne on Sunday, the June 3rd. It was good to see you all at Federation Square and also good to see those of you who came uh, for the celebrations down at the Melbourne Unitarian Peace Memorial Church that afternoon. Um, obviously, we'll continue with the Federation Square uh, commemorations for time in memorial. Uh, whether we repeat the activities at the church is uh, something we'll decide on later on in the year. year. But thank you once again for all of you who made the effort, who turned up on the day. Now let's move on. Let's move on. Now, have you noticed how you're being prepared? See, this is the beauty about living in a so-called free society, how we are slowly prepared. So the big question at the minute is not whether Kim and the Groper will kiss each other on the cheek when they meet in Singapore on the 12th of June, European style. But the big question is, the United States positioning Australia has its forward scout in the Indian Pacific Ocean in its current battle with the Chinese Communist Party for supremacy. As the Chinese government rattles the nationalist uh, song, sings the nationalist song, in an attempt to break out of the containment that it has had to deal with since 1949. The US government is trying to bolster its defence system to prevent the Chinese government challenging the US for supremacy in this region. We see this being played out in the South China Sea, We see this being played out in the terms of a possible trade war. We see this played out in terms of the more bellicose uh, conversations we are hearing from both sides. We see this in the Chinese government's attempt to use its economic muscle to extend its influence. And what we are seeing in this country is very, very troubling for each and every Australian. Exceptionally troubling. Now, our Defence Minister was up in Darwin in a day or so ago waving the flag, congratulating herself that now we have, because of this new intense partnership with the United States of America, Almost 1,600 US Marines based in the Northern Territory 
and this number will increase in the near future. Not only do we have US personnel now playing a prominent position in Australia, but all those defence bases, including Pine Gap, which are basically owned and controlled by the United States, have increased their stranglehold on this country. And you can actually see the invidious position Australia is in. On the one hand, the so-called economic miracle, which is based on unsustainable growth for growth's sake, which to a significant degree has been financed through money from the Chinese mainland and Hong Kong, has given our investment class and the one percenters, no, not the outlaw motorbike gangs, but that one percent of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, an extraordinary amount of profitability as they sell off the farm. Sell off the farm. So we've got this economic relationship with China, which is now our major trading partner. Well, in the background, we've got the United States pushing successive Australian governments of all political colours to take their side in this escalating dispute between China and the United States, a dispute which will not go away. And we are being groomed. As a pedophile grooms their victims, we are being groomed by successive United States administrations to act as their forward scouts in this part of the world. Now, this will have profound implications, not just economically, but in terms of the amount of the budget which will be need to be redirected into defence and, more importantly, make us a prime target as a country in any dispute which breaks out in the future between China and the United States of America. So, if they think we're a pack of fools, we're not pack of fools. We can see what they're doing. We don't have to take sides. As we're told, we have to take sides. It's not our role to take sides. If we're stupid enough to take sides, then we lay ourselves open as a community, as a society, as a sovereign nation state to great risks in the very near future. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, Sometimes I think I'm living in a parallel universe and I can hear you say, well, Joe, you are living in a parallel universe. You've lost any grasp on reality. You had years ago, years ago. I said, why? Well, I'll tell you how I see this. Now, I think earlier on this week, the Fair Work Commission, very nice name, the Fair Work Commission, which said that the CFMMEU can now still fly Eureka flags on building sites, hmm? very nice of them, gave Australia's poorest 2.5 million wage earners, that's right, 2.5 million wage earners, a $24 a week pay rise. And there was 
celebration. Celebration. Minimum wage will be around $700 for a 40-hour week. Not that many people work a 40-hour week, because, you know, part-time work it seems to be the, uh, the go these days. And I thought to myself, what's all this crap about? $24 a week? How about the overtime payments that you've been denied? Poorly paid workers. The Fair Work Commission, its wisdom, earlier on in the year, said, we will phase out overtime payment in hospitality. We will phase over, out overtime payment in terms of people working in shops and shopping centres for a wage. That's a significant decrease in income to people on the basic wage. A significant increase because it was those overtime payments which allowed people to meet their financial commitments. And now it says, we are going to give you a you know, $24 wage rise. I mean, a $24 wage rise would in no way compensate people for the overtime payments they have lost. And it seems that most political commentators have forgotten, have forgotten about this. And all those employer groups which are jumping up and down saying $24 a week is way too much, conveniently forget, conveniently forget to tell us, that's right, that I'm going to save all this money because of the removal of overtime payments and all these were supposed to increase jobs. What a load of garbage. About the only thing that increases jobs is population growth, you know. You need more people, you need more infrastructure, you need more infrastructure, you need more people. It goes on and on and on until you realise you don't have the resources to keep it going and then you've got a problem. Marvellous Australia becomes poverty-stricken Australia. If you don't, if you think I'm making it up, think about it. Think about it. Now, I love the IPA, you know. The conservative, reactionary think tank that doesn't want a minimum wage, doesn't want overtime payments. And you may have forgotten that they uh, entered the Liberal Party and have uh, taken over the Liberal Party to a significant degree. And I, I take my hat off to all these Mormons and religious fanatics who are now joined the Liberal Party to oust <laughs> the IPA. But the IPA, very well resourced. Very well financed, secret contribution list. It is a private organisation. And it's got a bit of a problem at the minute. A bit of a problem. Now, Mr John Lloyd, appointed by Mr Abbott, an interesting gentleman, you know, who's uh, in his life, he's uh, fronted a number of uh, interesting organisations, like he was the head of the Work Reform and productivity unit in the IPA. You like that? And he is also a former head of the Building and Construction Commission. Great friend of Conservative Australia. Great friend. 
Now, he was given a nice job by Mr. Abbott when Mr. Abbott was the Prime Minister of this country. Remember Mr. Abbott? Yeah, you remember him? Yeah, Mr. Abbott, the Prime Minister of this country. He was given a public service job. He was, given the, he was, he was made public service commissioner with a yearly pay of 692500 which is, I think, about a quarter of a million more than the Prime Minister gets. And guess what? Guess what? He's just resigned. He's going to leave on the 8th of August. And why has he resigned? Because it's alleged that while he was head of the public, while he's the public service commissioner, which is a very, very powerful job in the Commonwealth Public Service, he was serving two masters. He was, it was alleged, that's right, it was alleged that he was interacting with the IPA, giving them a little bits of information here and there, support their campaigns while he was public service commissioner. Now, Mr Lloyd hopes that by resigning on the 8th of August this year, that there'll be no investigation into his conduct because his mates in the Liberal National Coalition will ensure there is no investigation and all will blow over. But it really shows you how pernicious the IPA has been in the last 70 years in terms of directing government policy into a deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation uh, way. It's been interesting, fascinating. And what's even more fascinating is the results of all this plotting and planning, all this private money from moneyed individuals across the country and corporations to actually prevent even reformist Labor governments from gaining power and introducing some minor reforms that may, may upset their apple cart. Well, not tip it over, but just tip over, tip out an, you know, an apple or two for the rest of society. So it's interesting. So what have we got? We've got a financial sector which is rotten to the core. Now we're all told it's all about culture. It's the culture of the organisation. It's the culture of the organisation. It's all about individual greed. You know? Simple, isn't it? Culture, individual greed. Let's put the finger, let's point the finger at the individual. We get rid of the bad apple and the barrel will be safe for the one percenters. That one percent of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Well, it ain't safe because what we are seeing is not a culture of dishonesty, not a culture of corruption, not a culture of greed. But what we are seeing is a robber Barren culture. 
a culture where corporations act as robber barons, enriching themselves at the expense of the general community. And the IPA, the Institute of Private Affairs, have been the cheerleaders in this profound, those, these profound changes that have occurred in our society over the past 40 years. We have seen where their deregulation agenda has ended up. You can't reform the system. You need to radically transform the system. You can't put place in place regulations to regulate the system. You need to radically transform the system. And that's what we are about. And that's what public interest before corporate interest is about. Big words, public and corporate. Public the many, corporate the few. Putting the interests of the many before the few. And for the last three years, we've been trying to form a political party. Not just a political party, but an activist group. An activist group and political party which is beginning to gain a little bit of traction. Because as people flow, run off to the strong leader, we are talking about social movement political party which puts the many before the few. And if you want to join, it's very simple. Have a look at the website, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download, download the application form. If you're on the electoral roll, well and good. Once we've got 500 members, we'll apply for registration as a federal political party. We've been involved in a number of activities and actions over the last three years. And one of the major issues that we're interested in is public housing. Because we know, public interest before corporate interests, that public housing is a critical element of any society which is based on some type of equity and fairness. The minimal demand. Now in the state of Victoria, which I'm familiar with, and obviously other listeners in other states are familiar with the situation in their states, we have a Labor government which is hell-bent, hell-bent on dismantling the public housing sector and transferring its management and ownership to the community affordable and social housing sector which are essentially private organisations which have entered the marketplace to provide low-cost housing. And we are seeing a continuing battle which we are losing, that's right, losing, to not only protect what's left of the public housing sector, which has basically now become a repository for people with urgent, urgent needs for public housing, urgent needs for housing. And that struggle to make public housing accessible to anybody who is not able to enter the private housing market and and the recipe is the same everywhere you let the estates which were built in the 40s and 50s and 60s run down 
You don't redevelop them. You don't repair them. You restrict entry to public housing to those people who need emergency accommodation only. You create ghettos of exploitation. I don't like using the word disadvantage. It's exploitation. And then you say, oh, oh, listening to the housing minister in Victoria, Mr Foley, say, oh, 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 this is unacceptable. We have these ghettos of social disadvantage. Unacceptable. We need to redevelop them, but we're not going to do it. We're going to ask the private sector to do it. And because the private sector, they're such nice people, we're going to have mixed housing to overcome these inequalities, these ghettos. You know, we're going to create this mixed housing, 90% private, 10% public. And we know the private sector is really, really interested. Of course, it's bloody interest of the private sector. It's going to make a buck out of it. So we've got a state election coming up in Victoria on 24th of November. Yep. 24th of November, which is going to be based on two major issues. Law and order. Brothers and sisters, law and order. Considering that, you know, this is one of the safest places to be in the world. Law and order. Drum it up. Front page news. Television news. Internet. Law and order. And then infrastructure. That's right, boys and girls, infrastructure. More roads, more tunnels, more traffic lights, more tollways, more parking lots, <laughs> more public transport. Wow. we got the can-do government, will-do government versus the law and order mob, the Liberal National Party versus the ALP. And if either of them get a majority in the uh, Victorian... Legislative Assembly and Council at the next election on the 24th of November. Public housing is finished. Dead. Gone. Kaput. Finished. So when public interest before corporate interest set up defend and extend public housing in December 2016, we wanted to change the direction that this debate was going in. We wanted everybody to understand that public housing is everybody's business. And although we've had some success in terms of political pressure in getting the Green, the Victorian Greens to take up the issue of public housing in the Legislative Council and the Legislative Assembly, we have not been able to make this a public issue, an election issue. Because people think that public housing does not involve them. It only involves the three percent of Australians who are current sorry, the three percent of Victorians who are currently in public housing and the eighty five thousand who are on the waiting list. Doesn't involve them. But we're going to change that. Public interest before corporate interest is going to change that. Because we're launching a new campaign at the rally the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally, which will be held on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House on Wednesday the 20th of June, midday, Wednesday the 20th of June. Hail, rain, shine. And that new campaign 
is based on the idea that public housing is everybody's business. Because if we don't break out of this little ghetto, public housing is finished. Not just in Victoria, but the rest of Australia. Because governments love to wash their hands of the responsibility of looking after the interests of the people they represent and offload that responsibility to the private and corporate sector, as we see in the Commonwealth sector and the state sector, where in more and more public services, essential infrastructure, have been outsourced to the private sector or privatised or given over to the private sector. And so we reap those wonderful rewards of seeing the disintegration of energy security in this country because of its being put in the hands of the private sector. And we see the debacle surrounding the national broadband scheme, although it's government-owned and government-run, it's been organised in such a way as to ensure that the private sector will be able to pick it up for a song once the public is actually paid for the infrastructure. So what is this new campaign? Public housing, everybody's business. The slogan, 10 days in November. you like that? Those of you who... We a bit of a historical uh, nous. Would remember the 10 days in November in Russia in 1917 and what happened in those 10 days in November? Well, it's not going to happen here. We don't have the uh, movement for that. 10 days in November. What we aim to do, and we're launching this on the 20th of June on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, what we aim to do is hold a 10-day protest from midday, the 14th of November, to midnight, the 24th of November, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to make public housing a state election issue, to make public housing every everybody's business and the whole purpose of these continuous 24-hour 10-day protests will be to ensure that the issue that nobody wants to touch none of the major political parties want to touch becomes fore and centre a debating point for the next state election in Victoria and we will be encouraging people to vote for people who support the extension of public housing. That's right, the extension of public housing, not just the protection of public housing. And we encourage candidates or individuals to think about standing in the next election on the 24th of November, raising these issues, and we will support those campaigns. And what is our central, our slogan, 10 days in November, public housing, everybody's business. Why is public housing everybody's business? It's simple. I've talked about a mixed economy. If you've got a centralised economy, you have issues, as we see in, you know, communist countries. If you've got a, an economy which is dominated by the private sector in the corporate world, we have issues. 
as we are currently seeing in Australia, as we're reaping the uh, reaping the growth, the crops of the deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation seeds that have been sowing across the community over the past four decades. Rotten to the core. Rotten to the core. So we are about a strong mixed economy where the public sector actually is able to compete in the marketplace, in the open marketplace with the, with the private sector. The stronger that competition, the better for the many, the public. For example, if you have a housing sector, as we've seen in the banking and financial sector, which is dominated by the private sector, all we see is escalating prices. We see investors dominating the marketplace and turning housing into some type of commodity, which is bought and sold for capital gain, not to provide shelter and security for individuals. If we have a strong public housing sector, this creates competition in the marketplace. I'm using all these capitalist terms because we're attacking them with their own terms. So don't get, don't get excited here. I mean, it's as if we've been involved in this little struggle. We've got the arm of our tormentor and we're slowly twisting the knife towards their guts. You know? Haven't got there yet, but we're working towards it. So, public housing. What does a strong public housing sector mean? Well, it means for all that 40% of Australians who will never, 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 because of low wages, ever be able to own property, have the security of knowing they can go back to the same place over and over again every night and rear their children in that place and have that social infrastructure and that community infrastructure and access to services it gives them the opportunity to enter public housing and pay 25% of their income, not 50 or 60 or 70% of their income, to keep a roof over their heads. As the amount of public housing stock increases, pressure on rents will decrease because there will be fewer people competing for rental properties and land lords and ladies, lords and ladies, will have to lower rental properties or sell them at a reduced rate, therefore helping the first home buyer enter the property market. So if you're one of those 8% of Australians who are part of the investment class who's got a second home or a third home, who's going to retire on the proceeds of, you know, of your rental income or capital gains of that particular property, because, you know, taxes are minimal, think about it. Think about it. If you're one of these young people, all right, think about it. What do you get? You get social harmony, social security. If people have permanent housing, it improves their opportunities in life. It decreases, decreases criminal activity. It decreases despair. It decreases all that amount of lost time you have to put into finding rent or mortgage repayments. So I hear you say, well, Joe, that's all very well. 
pie in the sky. You're a great sky pilot. If you know you're a pastor, you tell us there'd be life after death and it's paradise in heaven. So how are you going to fund it, Joe? How are you going to fund it? I can see them slobbering and frothy at the mouth as they say, how are you going to fund this, boy? Well, it's simple. You know, I'm a simple man. Like you, if you listen to the Anarchist World this week, you're obviously simple. I mean, why would you listen to a, you know, a program called the Anarchist World this week? Why would it play a significant part in your life? Unless you're simple. Because anarchists are simple people. We just want to organise our own lives without the need of rulers. We're cooperative. We believe in solidarity, mutual aid, cooperation. The list goes on and on. Not competition. Dog eat dog. So are you going to fund it, boy? Answer the question. All right. It's very simple. And again, I'm only, in this situation, I've only done the research for Victoria. If we as a community in Victoria and we as a community in every other state in this country uses stamp duty revenue, and it's approximately $6 billion in Victoria per year, for public housing, we as a community we'll be able to house 1 million Victorians, that's 100,000 per year, in public housing by 2018. Oh, you're shocked. It's so simple. Maybe a few less roads, a few less level crossing remo- removals. What a wonderful idea. Maybe an increase in taxes here there for the corporate sector, for the investor. To recoup the lost income. What a simple idea. We can house a million Victorians in public housing in 10 years by quarantine, stamp duty revenue for public housing. How simple. Just the type of stuff we like. This type of stuff idiots like us kind of love. It's so simple. Why doesn't anybody think about it? I don't know. The thing is about this public housing struggle... There's none of the usual people supporting it. You've got the so-called welfare sector, those private organisations that make a buck from uh, providing services to the uh, the uh, disadvantaged, we call it the oppressed, not the disadvantaged, are basically flying the flag for the community, social and affordable housing sector because it means they'll get titles and be able to expand their little empires. The Liberal National Party, well, they're still infected by the IPA disease. You know, they still got the virus. It's, they still, you know, the IPA is big, 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 big numbers in the parliamentary representation. You know, the Liberal National Party, they're not interested in public housing. They'd sum it off before the Labor government. At least the Labor government is giving a pretense that it's going to redevelop to break down the ghettos, you know, provide people with opportunities. Well, Joe, but, 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 Joe, you can't build all that public housing in a decade. Well, we don't have to build it. It's out there. Spot purchasing. Ever heard of spot purchasing? Government policy in the 1980s and the 1990s in Victoria. 
government policies to break down the concentration of people in ghettos, in inverted commas, spot purchasing, buying units, flats, houses in Melbourne, regional Victoria. Bingo. Done. Simple. 25,000, 30,000 new units, houses every year. Bingo. 100,000 every year housed. Waiting list gone in less than a year. Then open the waiting list to people who want to be in public housing, who only want to pay 25% of their income, who are on low incomes. Spot purchase. You've got spot purchase properties in Turak. I'm sure the uh, John Lloyds of the world and all those celebrities wouldn't mind having a bit of public housing in Turak, would they? Why not? Housing's a right. Listen to the Anarchist World this week. So, if you're interested, you want to take part, you don't have to ring anybody up, turn up at midday on the 14th of November. And the reason we're launching it early is you can take your holidays if you're working. Take your holidays. Think of the comradeship, the joy, the spectacle, the ten days of continuous activity to create a hung parliament in this country, in, in Victoria. A hung parliament. It is the only way that public housing will survive. If either of the major political parties win power in their own right, public housing is finished in the state of Victoria. Think about it. We'll have a Facebook up page soon. Literature out soon. It's just a matter of you turning up midday on the 14th of November, midnight, 24th of November. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano, hosting today's program. You want to leave a message? 0439 395 489. 0439 Three nine three nine five four eight nine. You can write to us at Post Office Box twenty Parkville three oh five two. Post Office Box twenty Parkville three oh five two. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo dot com. You can email us at info at pibci p i b c i dot net. You want to int want to um, become a member of public interest before corporate interest, download the application form from pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Don't use a computer. Don't worry. Write to us. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. We sent out 5,000 application forms for you and your 5,000 friends. Go to my Facebook page, Toscano for the public. Toscano for the public. One last thing. Just in case you are sick or you've ever seen a doctor and you've got a medical record, eHealth is with us. This is an individual decision that you'll need to make. You either opt in or you opt out. Uh, All records, medical records, will be uh, linked to eHealth. And if you are concerned about privacy issues regarding your personal medical data regarding the ins and outs of the personal trials and tribulations you face both physically 
and psychologically. You need to look very hard at the issue. You need to decide whether you want to opt out. Now, it may be you've got complex medical needs and you will decide to opt in. You do nothing. But if you do nothing, if you do nothing and decide to do nothing, your medical records will go on the net. We're told it's secure. We're told no government agency will have access to it. We're told all these things, but uh, you've got to make up your mind before the end of October whether you're going to opt out of this system. So it's an individual choice. I'm not giving a recommendation one way or another, but I'm saying to you that if you're concerned about security of your medical data and your medical data getting into the hands of people you prefer it not to be in, well, then you would opt out. If you've got complex medical needs and you don't care, well, it does have many advantages, especially if you see many doctors. So it's up to you what decision you make regarding that issue. But the important thing is if you do nothing, you will remain in the system. You need to do something if you decide that you do not want to be part of that system. And it's quite interesting that uh, people are forced into an opt-out situation by a government that says it's all about human freedom. Freedom of choice? Well, it looks like in this case there's no freedom of choice. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. That's anarchistmedia.org. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. That's right, listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local radio station next week for the Radiophone. Yay! How lucky we are. That's it. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listening courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah.